Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico. We've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, as mentioned uh, in the intro, uh, we're going to be joined here uh, by a couple of panelists here in a moment, uh, joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. We're always uh, interested to have a uh, lively discussion uh, for sure. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by the founder and CEO of SkinView, uh, Randy Wyatt. He's uh, going to be joining me a little bit later on uh, in the broadcast, and then a little bit later on still, uh, we're both going to be joined uh, by Dan Anderson, the CEO, CMO, and development coach for the Payne Stewart Kids Golf Foundation. He's going to be jumping in a little bit later on for the conversation as well. But in the meantime, uh, let me introduce tonight's uh, panel, and uh, we'll get into to the discussion for this evening. First up is Sue Weger. She is uh, number one best-selling uh, international author, motivational speaker, and peak performance coach. Uh, she's a 24-plus year LPGA Class A uh, golf professional and the owner of Uyghur Consulting LLC. Uh, also rounding out the panel is uh, Jamie Leno Zimron. She's also a Class A LPGA teach professional, a six degree Aikido black belt, uh, somatic uh, uh, psychologist, a corporate speaker, and mind body fitness trainer. And she's a Phi Beta Kappa graduate from Stanford University and also the creator of Kiai Golf, the Centered Way. So, ladies, uh, welcome back to Coach's Corner panel here on Golf Talk Live. Good evening, Ted. How are you? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us, Ted. It's really uh, it's great to be with you, and uh, great to be with you too. Well, perfect, and always a pleasure to have the two of you on. And and um, we're going to have an interesting discussion. We're going to talk about a couple of things, um, and I thought this would be a good opportunity to bring this into uh, tonight's discussion uh, on Coach's Corner. And we're going to talk about really two areas. We're going to talk from the coach's perspective and then from the player's perspective, or student, uh, if you will. And uh, just a couple of different things that we're going to talk about, and I want to get your thoughts. So I'm going to start in the order that I introduced you, and see what I want to get an idea from you is when you're preparing, uh, and this obviously is um, whether you uh, want to classify yourself as a teacher, instructor, coach, what have you, is, is fine. Um, but when you're preparing for a lesson as an instructor, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm from the student during that lesson? What, obviously, the participation is, is the key, but um, generally, what are you looking for? Uh, and you can use an example if you want to use working with a new student or an existing student, uh, you know, just to use some, some different examples is fine. But generally, what are you looking for uh, as you prepare uh, for that particular uh, session? Well, the first thing I was, in regards to prepare is um, I like to ask questions um, prior to 
the lesson to find out a little bit more of the background about the student. And one of the things is I always ask them, number one, is, you know, is there any physical limitations? And if, there are, if they are, you know, just kind of share with me what they are. Um, the other thing is I kind of do a quick little evaluation on whether or not they're left brain or right brain. And the reason mm -hmm. I ask them that question is because left brainers have a tendency to overthink um, during a lesson and the right brainers are, are more creative. So I have mm -hmm. a tendency to um, ask them that because I like to um, find out who they are as a person first and then mm -hmm. um, help them understand so what's the difference in regards to where, where can you get your best performance in regards to are you on the right side of your brain or your left side of your brain? And as most people know, um, tour professionals, you know, they when they're um, hitting shots or when they're not say hitting shots, but when they're talking to their caddies, that's when you can be on your left brain. Um, and in your left brain, you can you can be thinking about things and receiving things from the target. But once you're standing over the ball, um, I teach all of my clients. It's like, okay, you have to be on the right side of your brain. And we have a lot of what we call left brain thinkers out there. And mm -hmm. So when I um, when I get to the lesson, if I know that they're a left brainer, I just teach them how to get to the right side of their brain to be more creative, because then their performance is is, is totally changed. Because as you all, just like in like music or any other sport, you're not thinking about what you're doing in regards to performance. You're just performing, and when you're performing, you're on the right side of your brain. And you're more creative. So that's what I like mm -hmm. to do is I just do a quick little evaluation, ask them a few little questions. And then, then we start from there. So, so really, what this is is an opportunity for you to gather as much information as you can, especially for a new student. And, and obviously, a, a left-brain student uh, or somebody that's using their left brain, that's their opportunity to gather information, maybe um, you know, how much wind there is that particular day, uh, where it's coming mm -hmm. from, the distance, the yardages, things like that. So that's their opportunity. Um, but obviously, if they're sticking on that side and not really then jumping on to the, using the right side of the brain when they actually uh, need to be proactive in, in their golf swing, that's when you start to run into some difficulty. So really what you're doing at this point is before you actually get them to hit balls necessarily or, or give them any specific instruction, you're trying to gather, just as you would if you were doing a golf shot, you're trying to gather as much information from them uh, for you to be able to formulate a plan. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Is that, I understand you correctly? That's exactly what we're, what we're doing, yes. Perfect. And Jamie, what about you? I, I know you probably concur a lot with, uh, with Sue on this as well. Do you do anything in addition to maybe some of that? And you can certainly, you're welcome to expand on it, um, that you like to do when you're preparing for a lesson or maybe even a corporate outing. Uh, you can certainly use that as an example as well. When you're trying to get an idea of, of the crowd or the, or the group, if you will, that you may be working with, um, what are some things that you like to do to prepare? Well, I think the, some of the things that, you know, you both mentioned already, which have to do with um, evaluation, you know, what are, their, what are their capabilities? And that's both physical and uh, psychological. Um, what are the capabilities, what are their interests, what are their goals, what are they looking for, what do they want to get out of uh, if it's the particular experience like the outing or a, a lesson, a clinic, um, or, in, you know, in a bigger, longer-term way. So what are, their, what are they really into, you know, and what are they trying to get out of the experience? So their capabilities, their goals, um, and their, 
would say they're in the sense of preferences. Um, so Sue was talking about their basically their learning style in terms of left brain, right brain. We talk about the uh, VAK, uh, are they visual, auditory, kinesthetic, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can make a good match, I think, is really what we're talking about, um, and then be responsive to what their what their interests are, what their capabilities are, and um, you know, and what their goals are. So. Uh, in the LPGA, we right off the bat, and I mean, we're talking even gosh, 25 years ago or so when I started doing the LPGA uh, teaching program, emphasized student-centered learning, and um, you know, you you gain people's interest, you gain people's trust, uh, and you speak to them. You're able to really make a connection and communicate well. So you know, those that's all about. Kind of teeing it up right, yeah. It's about setting up for success. And mm-hmm. um, when when you've made that kind of connection, when you're filling in that information, and then of course you as the instructor have to be nimble in a sense. You can't have just one way that you talk, or one way that you teach, or one way that you show, or only this kind of drill, or only that kind of program, um, because you know people are varied, yeah, and we have to be responsive to who they are. You know, if we're going to have yeah. success in the in the learning environment, in the learning experience. Yeah, and that's something that I think that's really come to the forefront in in instruction, um, not just golf but other areas as well, um, is the fact that because there are so many different learning styles, different types, if you will, and approaches to things, um, you, it's kind of a balancing act, I think. You know, in a lot of cases, because you get students who. Um, again, maybe learn visually, um, you know, some more audio, what have you. And um, if you're talking to one one way, it may not work for somebody else. So having to be able to adapt and understanding that. So obviously gathering that information up front is, is really critical to putting together a good lesson plan. So, Sue, I want to come back to you on that um, as we move forward. Do you have a set plan um, on what you like to tackle first. So obviously you've done your assessment, you've gathered as much information as you can in, in a limited period of time, and obviously it's a continual gathering, if you will, every time you meet with a student. But um, initially as you get the general information to, to get things sort of uh, in focus, um, do you have sort of a set plan that you, of things that you want to tackle first? Do you want to tackle specific flaws in their swing or other areas that you might want to look at first? Give us a general idea of what you want to look at when you're first working with them? Well, the first thing that I do is, I, again, I always ask for physical limitations because you don't want to, during a lesson, you don't want to hurt somebody. <laughs> so you always mm-hmm. want to ask mm-hmm. them, you know, you know, do you have any physical limitations? And then you just be aware of that. Um, and then the second thing is, is I ask them what their goals are in regards to, you know, what, what would you like to get out of this lesson? And they usually kind of, most people usually tell you, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not hitting my driver very well or I'm not hitting my pitching wedge or putting, whatever it may be. And because it is about, like like Jamie said, it's about student. It's about the student. It's not about the instructors. So you want to gain as, as much information from them as much as you can. And and when Jamie m- mentioned about, you know, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, is if you listen to how, the, how a person speaks back to you, you can pretty mm-hmm. much – figure out if they're visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. Because a lot of the times they say, well, I'm not feeling anything. Then you know right away then, they're, then they are kinesthetic. And then you just right. change your mode 
and then you go into talking about feeling, you talk about, you know, the, the body, for example. Or if somebody says, you know, I, um, I hear what you're saying, but I can't, you know, I can't do this or whatever it may be, then you know that, okay, they're more of an auditory person. Um, mm-hmm. And if they're visual, the best thing to do for visual learners, as Jimmy and I both know, is to show them what you want them to do. Um, right. And, and, that's how, and that's how you break it down into, you know, into, into a lesson. Um, and some people um, are a little bit of, of a little bit of visual, a little bit of auditory, and a little bit of kinesthetic. You don't really know because mm-hmm. they don't really know. So right. I think it's, like I said before, I think it's just really important. Again, it's about the student, and you listen to them, and then, then you make your approach in regards to um, whatever, whatever the topic may be that they want to cover, um, and then you go from there. Yeah, I think, it's, I think you're exactly right. I think identifying their learning style um, is important. And, and, again, they could have crossover. They could have uh, all three. Um, but one typically, I think, tends to be more dominant than the others. Uh, but, again, yeah. you know, it, it's important mm-hmm. to identify that early on because you could be uh, – it's kind of like speaking to somebody in a different language. If, if they're not receiving that um, very well, then it's, it's sometimes Absolutely. for not. Um, Jamie, what do you do um, when you have uh, – or let me rephrase this. How important is it? that the student be engaged, and I don't mean just performing whatever physical tasks may be required of them, but um, you're obviously asking and engaging in in a dialogue to get certain information, but is it also important for them to um, identify if they're not understanding? In other words, um, if you've given them a specific uh, task at hand, do you like to encourage them to repeat back to make sure they're understanding what you're saying? Like, you know, do I understand you correctly? You want me to move my body in this position or that position or what have you, how important is that to have that feedback from them so that you, in turn, understand that they understand? I think there's nothing more important, <laughs> right? Um, because, <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about presence, yeah? And um, mm-hmm. one of my favorite expressions is gotta be, you must be present to win. And, you know, you should think about that, like, um, you got to be there for your raffle ticket or something, but yeah, it's really much bigger than that. You must be present in order to, and engaging in order to, in order to learn, in order to perform well, in order to enjoy the experience. So um, sometimes I may want a student to repeat back to me in their own words what we're talking about mm-hmm. or what we're trying to do. Uh, it's also evident in how they're responding to, say, a comment or an instruction or a drill. Or, and that's why being tuned into their learning style is so important because you need to make that match. You need to make that connection. If something's just not computing, going over their head or losing their attention, you're not going to get anywhere. They're not going to get anywhere. Um, and it's, it's evident in the communication. It's evident in how they're swinging or whatever they're doing, if it's what I had in mind. And uh, by the same token, it's so important that the the instructor is present, right, so that uh, we can be tuned in. We can make that kind of connection and be following, be tracking if things are computing or not. Um, And 
part of that presence on the teacher side, I would say, is not just having a, a system or a rote way that we're doing something um, or thinking about you know, what's on our phone or who's calling or this sort of thing. It, it, in, in all of life, I think being present is what helps us to, to succeed to win. So, yeah, I don't think there's anything more important. And, and you want to be sure that you're, you're keeping the person's interest and that they are having a sense of, of making some progress, of this is worthwhile. Otherwise, they're not going to come back. Otherwise, they're not going to stick with it. Yeah, and I think this goes to um, Sue to the sort of the next component is um, is information overload. Um, we can give our students too much information too quickly, um, and mm -hmm. we know through through variety of different uh, studies and feedback in the industry that um, you know there's been a lot of cases where. Students just say it's it's too complicated, especially when we start getting into a lot of this technology that's being used. Um, you know, as great as mm -hmm. it can be and beneficial, sometimes using too much information uh, too quickly can be. So, how do you find the right balance um, in your case that to make sure that you're not giving them too much uh, too quickly in the lesson? So, um, do you try to again isolate, maybe working on one or or maybe two specific things at a time? Um, and then once you feel they're grasping that, then move on as, as you progress maybe into in further lessons down the road. How do you decide? Um, is it purely on their abilities um, or how they're absorbing the information from you? I would say in regards to the progression would be, mm -hmm. it's like a building block. You know, you start with a, um, let's just take for example a beginner, for example. Um, you start with the foundation, and the foundation is just basically the setup and teaching them what does it feel like to be balanced and what does it feel like to be with your arms hanging down naturally versus, you know, too much knee bend or not enough hip bend or whatever it may be because a lot of them don't know, you know, what to do um, when they first come to you because they're a beginner. They have no idea. So I think it's a progression, um, and you build it. And then, as as any good instructor will will tell you, is well, I should say, any good instructor that knows what they're doing <laughs> would <Right. laughs> not would not <laughs> would not overload the student. So it's a little bit of building blocks. And so for a beginner, what I do is I always we always start with the setup and teach them what their center of gravity is and what their balance feels like. And when their arms are hanging down, we don't even give them a club. I, I, I teach them how to stand, you know, in an athletic balance position first. And then I do a little balance test with them. Um, and basically all I do is just um, kind of, um, well, if they're, if they're balanced, uh, all I'm doing is basically tapping on the middle of their back, of the lower back, and tapping right above their sternum. And if they're not moving around, and they're dead centered balanced. And I'm like that, mm -hmm. and that's what the first thing I teach all my players is like, that's where you want to be to start because, as you know, the golf ball doesn't move, and if you lose your balance, that golf ball is going to be in a different position because your body is going to be in a different position. So, right. Right. Um, yeah, and so I just teach them building. It's a building block process. Um, 
you know, that's what I do first. I with my beginners, I'll teach them uh, a dead, just a, a nice center gravity stance and balance, and teach them what balance really is. Because a lot of people, unfortunately, don't even know what good balance is because right. they were never taught it. So that's the first thing. And then the next thing, I'll put a, I'll put a, um, a golf club in their hand to teach them, okay, nothing's going to change here. Um, we are just going to stay the same in regards to keeping the center of gravity, you know, balance over our feet. Um, and then we start, then we'll build into a little bit of a motion, or I should say motion of the golf swing from there. But it won't be a full swing. It'll be a very small little swing. Um, just to teach them and let them become aware of their, what I call body awareness and their center of gravity and their balance. They stay balanced because if they stay balanced, they'll have a much better consistency at the bottom of their golf swing. And so that's what I do. I just do building blocks. And um, and I just kind of read kind of uh, what the student's ready for and what they're not ready for, uh, and I kind of go from there. Yeah, I think it's important. This is where the continual dialogue and communication, Jamie, uh, is important because if you're not getting enough feedback from them, number one, are they understanding what what you're you know uh, teaching them? Um, but if they're not engaging back and asking questions and, and being inquisitive, um, then it makes it very difficult to know. Okay, do we move on to the next step? Are you really understanding what we're we're working on here right now? Um, and you know, ha- have you taken sufficient time? Uh, to work through the process to make sure you do understand it, and it's not just, oh, yeah, you're nodding your head in agreement, but really in the deep down you don't. So it brings me to this question is how much change is too much? Because a lot of times we'll see people come, and they've got a pretty good swing. It's not too bad, but there's some areas that they need working on. One of the dangers, I think, that we've seen over the years in golf instruction is reinventing the wheel. In other words, rather than taking what might be good currently in their swing and just tweaking a few things, some instructors have gone to the point, and it doesn't happen as much, I don't think, anymore, or hopefully it doesn't, but I know it has in the past because I know people that have done it, where they'll sort of adapt to their swing philosophy, if you will, and try to mold the student into what they believe uh, the proper swing sequence is and so on and so forth. Um, So is there a danger of changing too much with a student? That's a great question, based especially on a most recent experience I had, which was just last week here in Israel. There's only one golf course, and it's in a place called Caesarea, which is near Caesar's Ruins. There's a Roman aqueduct. It's a cool place, right? And Pete Dye was brought in about 15 years ago, 12, 15 years ago, to redo the golf course. So anyways, I was there, and... um, I got to talking with a woman who was just about to go out and play nine holes, and I ended up joining her because she was so interesting. She was 80 or 81 years old, and uh, she was a a very interesting career, interesting woman, and she plays tennis. She plays other sports, okay? And I will Mm -hmm. say that she has some physical uh, injuries and limitations for sure. So anyways, we're out on the golf course, and um, she was not doing as well as she was hoping she would do, which is very typical, right? And she kept kind of went, oh, oh. And so finally she told me that she had just had a lesson. (laughs) She'd had a lesson Mm -hmm. where the guy told her that he definitely had his own system and she was supposed to use her left side. She wasn't supposed to use her right side at all. And here she is a tennis player and she 
Uh, in fact, it just won a gold medal here in their um, International <laughs> Jewish Olympics, right? At 80. Right. By the Grandmasters ladies. Yes, she's really into tennis. She's a good, nice tennis player. And he just completely took the right side out and told her to use her left hand and just go with her left hand. And it just, she couldn't hit the golf ball. And she was so frustrated. And so he, and I, you know, I kind of said, well, you know what, actually, your uh, forehand tennis motion is, in a way, the way you throw a ball, and we're kind of throwing a ball here. And, you know, I kind of do this thing where we play golf catch, and it just sort of patterns your, your golf swing. So we, we stopped, and we did that a little bit, and she was like, oh, my God, that's not so much better. And then she just started hitting the ball again. And mm-hmm. um, so we really had this conversation about exactly what you're talking about. Uh, at 80 years old, with physical limitations and all, this guy completely just wiped out what she does and told her right. she needed to do it based on his his belief and his methodology. So it was an exact example of what didn't work. And I can't even tell you the relief she felt that she didn't have to do that and have to learn this whole new thing, that she's got, what, decades upon decades of muscle memory and uh, right. and to use what she's got and then see how she could maybe apply that better to golf, which is in a different sort of um, plane or angle, you know, to, to the ball. And, you know, it's different, but it's also the similarities. Why not use that and build on that? And she said, mm-hmm. I mean, the woman's like, was like a scientist, and she worked in, you know, all these countries through the years. I said, you're a smart woman. She goes, oh, my God, this is so smart. This makes so much sense. And... So that's to your point, I would say. Um, right. And I think that it's really important that we we work with and capitalize on um, a, a player's strengths and a student's strengths. Um, if you would permit me, could I read? Uh, this is kind of going back to the question you asked, Sue. What, what's sort of CMI? What's too much information? And yep. this is a quote from Louise Suggs, one of the original founders mm-hmm. of the LPGA and um, you know, very famous, one of the most winning women in, in golf, and in 1953, she wrote a book called Pro Golf for Women. And I have this quote handy because I use it in, in many of my materials. So here it is, a direct quote. The player whose head is bursting with a disconnected picture of a thousand details in the golf swing is defeated at the start. For one mind cannot send so many different messages to so many parts of the body in an uninterrupted motion, such as the swing. I think that's wow. a brilliant way of saying what what happens too often in golf instruction. You know, do this, do this, and then do this, and this, and this, and this, and bad enough we say all that over a matter of weeks or months, but, you know, when we put that all in one lesson, oh, my God, people mm-hmm. just can't cope. I mean, <laughs> our body, our, our brain, our neurology, our neuromuscular right. system just can't cope, can't deal. It doesn't matter how well, great and, that and information is or how brilliant we think we are, they can't absorb it, and nobody can. Well, and, and the problem is, and a great quote, by the way, thank you for sharing that. You know, one of the things that I've, and, you know, I, like both of you, have been around this industry for a long time, so I've seen a lot and, and done a lot. And the thing that always amazes me, and, and especially here, in, you know, maybe not in the last few years, but for a while, it seemed that we were going down, and I, when I say we, I don't necessarily mean everybody, but generally as a rule, the golf instruction was going down a path where there was 
dramatic changes in technology um, that we've all seen, and, and some of it is, is very, very good. And one of the complaints that I used to hear a lot, and I've experienced this myself, you know, going down to the PGA show and, and seeing some of the different things. And again, it's all cool, it's great, and I'm not knocking anything. People have come on the show and talked about some of their products. But what, what's always interesting to me is people will say, you know what, I'm more confused now than I was before I took the lesson because they're, you know, they're getting hooked up to all these electrodes and they're, you know, they're getting, you know, all of this information <laughs> overload. And they're getting to a point where it's actually become more confusing. And to go to your point, Jamie, you know, with this woman that you were working with here, who, you know, was a, a, a high-caliber tennis player, and, yeah, she might have some physical limitations right now, but still has that muscle memory and still has, you know, the athleticism, you know, built inside. Um, that's an opportunity to build on not to dismantle. And I think this is where sometimes we relying too much on technology, relying too much on a certain methodology can be detrimental uh, to helping somebody. Sometimes it might be something very simple like tweaking their grip a little bit or maybe, uh, as Sue pointed out, getting them into a, a more centered, balanced way um, might be all that's needed and not making all of these other changes. So th there's certainly room for flexibility and there's certainly room for adjustment. But I think if we as instructors get too overbearing in trying to change too much, uh, especially too quickly. Now, there are some cases where a lot of change may need to happen over time if the person just is not very athletic or is just not uh, really understanding or grasping certain concepts. But to overwhelm them and to make drastic changes, especially in a short period of time, or not capitalize on some of the positives uh, and build on that, um, turns a lot of people off. And I know for a fact that there's people that I've spoken to over the years that said, you know what, I used to love playing golf and, you know, I went and took lessons over the years and had some good lessons, but I had some too that were bad that just, you know, the, the person was getting me to do all kinds of funky things and it just uh, it made it too challenging to the point where I'm a worse player now than what I was before I went. And we don't want that to happen. So, um, and, and I don't, again, it's a very rare case, I think, for the majority of uh, instruction out there. I don't want to, you know, get nasty emails or something and saying, what are you doing, trying to do here, you know. But I, I want us to be honest in, in how we approach things. So I want to shift gears a little bit, ladies. And, Sue, I'm going to come back to you because you, you mentioned this very early on. And this is now from the player's perspective or the student's perspective. Um, but... Once we assess or get an understanding of why um, they want to take golf lessons and learn this great game, I think it's important very early on that we help them through the process of setting some golfing goals. So maybe walk us through a couple of examples, some things that you like to do. And obviously, again, it's, it's more on what they want, but um, you obviously play a part in helping them to achieve them. So what, what's some conversation that you might have with them early on uh, as they're trying to define what their goals might be? Yeah, I think that, again, it depends on the level of the player, but like, for example, a beginner, um, you know, I start them, I start all my beginners on the putting green because it's it's simpler, it teaches them about their setup, uh, it teaches them, um, again, about uh, center of gravity and about being balanced. Um, so what I do with, with beginners is we start on the putting green and we work our way out. So we'll do put we'll do putting first, and then we'll do a little bit of chipping and a little bit of pitching. So um, with my beginners, 
that's what I do. I, I mean, I just um, teach them a little bit about, okay, what is putting all about? And uh, putting is all about distance control, body control, um, speed. Um, and then from there, we keep those basics the same, but we move into chipping. So we go, we go from basically putting to chipping to pitching so that we keep the foundation the same. And all they do is, <clears throat> well, um, in essence, um, we work on a little bit of different, so what's the difference between putting and chipping? And then we talk about what's the difference between chipping and pitching. Um, but we, again, we, we build that solid foundation first, and that's why I always start right. all my beginners on in, in putting. And then once they understand what that solid foundation is, then their chips are better and even their pitches are better because, again, the foundation is solid. Um, and then we just talk about what's the difference between a chip and a pitch and the setup's a little bit different in chipping than it is in pitching, um, like that mm -hmm. in putting. But we just kind of build it from there. Um, and then I'll, the, the majority of the time, I always ask them questions, and I will say, okay, so what did you notice the difference between, for example, chipping and pitching? Because I want to know what their feedback is in the sense that, because their feedback is their sense of learning. So if they tell me something, well, okay, in chipping I understand that, you know, you might play the ball back a little bit further in your stance, or, and in chipping you use a little bit different clubs, or um, and in pitching we have basically... We have options in pitching because you have pitching wedge, sand wedge, and we educate them about the pitching wedge and the sand wedge at the same time. Um, and then just give them the fundamentals. And, again, I always just I always say this, but it's always about building blocks. So we, we start with putting first, and then we do a little bit of chipping, and then we do a little pitching. So they understand that. And then I share with them that, are you aware that your short game, which is putting, chipping, and pitching, is about 65% of your total score? And a lot of them don't know that because they're beginners and they don't, um, they can't relate to it. Um, but that's what I always tell them. I'm like, okay, so then we go from there, um, and then we kind of build from there. So um, my beginner students, like, like I said, we start on the putting green, we work a little bit of chipping, we work a little bit about pitching, and then we work a little bit of full swing because I don't want to overwhelm them and move them too fast into full swing um, just because in the sense that, again, I like to do building blocks with them um, and work right. on putting, putting, chipping, and pitching, and then we'll get into a little bit of full swing. Right. I think it's important. Yeah, I agree. I think it's important to start off with what we might term as the basics a little bit just to get them started and and sort of, as they say, wet their whistle a little bit and not get them too overwhelmed. Um, Jamie, you know, we talked about a little while ago from the instructor's uh, or coach's perspective on what you need to do to be prepared. Um, but what do you want from your students uh, when, it, when they're ready to come for that first lesson? What, what can they do to prepare themselves as much as possible um, to come and work with you the first time? What are some suggestions that they can do to, to get themselves ready? Uh, yeah, I always love your questions, Ted. You know, you really kind of think about, you know, from all angles, which is, which is so good. Um, well, let me just say this. I think that a student who books a lesson 
has already done some preparation in the sense that they clearly want something. And, uh, and in talking with them uh, prior um, or, you know, at the beginning of the lesson, but you asked about preparation coming to the lesson, um, you know, in that conversation, I think, you know, thinking, having some clarity about what it is they want. And people, I think, in many ways they have that. Um, or it may be a, at least something like, well, I want more consistency, or I want to hit it farther, or I want to know why I'm the ball's going left, or why am I slicing it, or you know those kinds of things. So, you know, they'll. Um, I think it, it's helpful to have some kind of specific about what it is they want to work on, um, and obviously, you want to have people come where they've got a bottle of water, they can hydrate, if they mm-hmm. need a snack, they've got that handy, they've got their clubs. Um, if it's hot, they're prepared for that, um, you know, depending on what the weather is, they're dressed properly. So, I mean, those are kind of basics, I would say, um, and also what time to arrive. Um, it, sh- it should be clear uh, if it's a new student what to expect when they get there, even things like where to park, where do I drop my clubs, where how do mm-hmm. I find you, where's the pro shop, do I ask for you, where's the driving range. I mean, you know, there's just, a lot of just kind of basic orientation factors after a while or even after one or two lessons people kind of know those things so that they, they right. plan their time properly and they know where they're going and you know that you know you want to get that off their mind so the brain space is free and available for the lesson itself so i think it's important to be aware of those kinds of things and especially with beginners who may feel uncomfortable and really not know what to expect at all uh, it's really different with uh, people who have played already or are used to taking lessons, that kind of thing, um, or maybe if right. they belong to one club, and that, that that's a whole different story. So obviously, you know, I mean, these are just sort of natural things that we need to be be um, tuned into, but also to actually think about them again. That's part of the presence that we want to have with people oh. is to be is to think about, um, as you say, what do they need to know so that they're prepared and. Who is this person? Are they new? Have they been here before? Uh, what's their personality? Are they easygoing? Do they really need structure? And they feel a lot more comfortable when they know exactly where they're going and what they're doing. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, those things are important. Um, I did want to kind of say something about, uh, you know, how much information, again, is too much or uh, sure. are we are we attempting too much? And, that speaks to this, uh, I kind of call it a golf makeover. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, some people kind of want a golf makeover and, and need right. one in a sense of like, let's just kind of start start over here or uh, let's build back up, as Sue was saying. Um, let's kind of get back down to basics. I kind of call it the microcosm. Let's get kind of micro again. Then we can expand. And uh, I would underscore what Sue was saying in terms of starting with putting. It is simpler, it's clearer, here's the target line, take it back, hit it square, follow through, match up your your back swing, your forward swing, um, what's your stance like, what does stability mean, what is, why is balance important, um, these kinds of things. And then uh, kind of grow from that sort of very mini, mini motion to a little bigger, chipping, um, pitching, back to, back to fairway shots, finally back to the, the tee and the driver. I... I you know, that's a natural way of growth. And so mm-hmm. many people come and they just want to kind of pull out their driver. 
how they want to start as a full full grown adult, <laughs> and that's just not how it works, you know. It's then you got to go back. You got to do sort of remedial work, or you know, get get into golf therapy and um, you know, sort of fix things and patch them back up. That's kind of a tough way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It- you're exactly right, and I think it's important, and, and thank you for pointing that out. I think it's important when it comes to learning this game, um, first and foremost, as a student, you need to understand your limitations. Um, if you're somebody that's never played, especially you know, through this pandemic, we've had a lot of new people coming to the game, uh, and you raised some interesting points, Jamie. You know, where do I go? Um, you know, okay, I, I know where the golf course is, but... Do I take my club certain place? Do I drop them off? Do I, you know, and, and I always look at it this way. If somebody has never, I try to give them as much information as possible if they've never been uh, to see me before. Uh, but I always recommend if you're ever unclear, phone the pro shop. Let them know and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm coming to take a lesson or I'm coming to do this or call me if need be um, and get that information uh, if they've forgotten or they're not clear on something. I'd rather them ask a question, even if they think it's a silly question, um, because you'd be surprised at how many people don't know the answer. I think the other thing is coming, again, with com- uh, comfortable clothes. You know, ask your instructor if you're unsure. Um, you know, you can certainly Google things. I mean, you, you can get a lot of information online, but sometimes it's not always great information. But, you know, having yourself prepared that way. I think it's also important if you've never played before, you know, a lot of times instructors say, well, you know, hit, hit a few balls, warm up and that. But if they don't really know what to do, that's not necessarily a good idea. So what I like to do instead is to say, okay, at least stretch and loosen up. You know, get the muscles loose, get the body uh, relaxed and in a comfortable, uh, receptive way. Um, and we'll worry about hitting some balls when you, you know, come to the lesson. Uh, if you have somebody that's played a little bit and maybe taken lessons before, then obviously I would encourage them to warm up and loosen up a little bit uh, by hitting some, some warm-up shots. Uh, that's fine. Um, the other thing, too, is I, I, I think it's important, especially when you're coming for that first lesson, is you want to come with a set of questions or topics that you want to address. And you both have pointed this out earlier. You know, is it the short game that they're struggling with? Is it uh, accuracy, maybe? So you want to have some definitive uh, areas of discussion that you want to talk to that uh, coach or, or uh, uh, instructor about um, and make sure that he or she addresses some of those things in that first lesson. Uh, they certainly may not be able to address them all, uh, but certainly address uh, in, in conversation, if not anything else, uh, have that discussion. And I think it's also the last thing I would say is I think it's a good idea. Now, again, you can use technology, whatever you want, uh, but bring some sort of a golf journal. Take some notes um, as you go along or at certain points, you know, if you've asked questions. I think it's important to kind of keep track of what you've learned um, key takeaways from that. Uh, if there's an action plan moving forward, you want to maybe make some notes like that. And you can maybe do that towards the end of the instruction. Uh, but I think that's important for uh, the student to be able to, to do that uh, when they're coming, especially for that first lesson. As time goes on, they're going to get familiar with what to do and, and when to do it. But I think that's some ideas to, to cert- certainly give them a good start. But um, during the lesson, too, um, Sue, I want to come back to you on this. We're getting close to wrapping up here shortly. But uh, So we, we get an idea of what we want to do uh, in preparation for that lesson. Um, but I think it's also important that during that lesson that we keep engaged and um, that we keep an open mind. Maybe you've taken instruction from somebody before and they've told you something that just doesn't seem 
to be consistent with what you're being taught. Now, it's okay to, not necessarily, I don't like to use the word challenge, uh, but certainly ask questions saying, well, you know, why are, why are we doing this? Or I've always understood it to be this. So I think being open-minded uh, is important. And I think also um, being receptive. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's why you, in a lesson, it's always a Q&A, always. Because whether or not it's the student asking the question or it's the instructor giving the answer or is it the instructor asking the question um, to make sure that the, the student understands, um, you know, what, what, the, what the point of that particular, let's say, topic is, let's say it's, it's putting or chipping or whatever it may be, to, so that the instructor makes sure that the, that, that the student is on the same page with the, um, I want to say the topic or the instruction and I also think that um, it's really important that before that student leaves is that um, you as an instructor give them an opportunity. Because I, I always ask, what did you learn today? And let them talk. Because I want to make sure that um, are they leaving with the right information, number one, and is it clarified for them? so that they can, um, if they leave with that particular, let's say, information, is it in, it's very important that it's clear to them and it's not confusing. And that's why I always ask, you know, what did you learn today? And let them kind of like, you know, um, not only digest it, but just kind of repeat everything that you happen, whether or not it's a half an hour lesson or an hour lesson. You know, what did you learn today? And... Let them talk um, and let them basically regurgitate kind of the lesson in the sense that, you know, what did you get out of this? What did you learn different? What was new to you? What was new? What was uh, what's different than, than you thought before? So mm-hmm. I think it's um, important as an instructor to ask, you know, thought-provoking questions to them um, so that they can think about, okay, well, what did I really learn today? And then... You know, let them share it because that's what the whole point of it is, is is make sure that they're not confused when they leave that lesson tee. And that's what right. um, that's why I always ask, you know, what did you learn today? And if they're confused, then we will sit there and we will clarify it before they leave because that's what's really important. We don't want them to be more confused than when they first got there. And I think that's right. why, yeah, and you want to make sure that then when they walk away from that lesson, you know, they feel good about it versus you don't want them to be walking away feeling confused. And that's why I always ask them, okay, what did you learn? And then they usually tell me things, and if they have, if there's a little bit of confusion there, I can tell based on their answer. And so, and then we right. talk about it before they leave, and then we go from there. Yeah, it's important, I think, for uh, the instructor uh, to provide some feedback. And it, it's also um indicative of the student to ask questions. Um, you know, at the end of the session, you want to get that instructor's feedback. You want to say, okay, you know, how did I do today? And, and you know, do you feel like I, I was grasping some of the things that we were working on? Um, you know, it, it's important for them to obviously articulate that to you as well, but I think it's important that they hear from you that, hey, yeah, I really like what, uh, what you were doing here, Bob or, or Sally or whatever. Um, 
you know, you really seem to understand the, the grip and, and uh, those sh short little pitch shots uh, off the green. You seem to really be able to, to get them close or whatever the case is. Um, so I think it's, you're exactly right. I think it's important to have that interaction, uh, not just leading up to the, to the lesson, but as you wind things down as well to make sure that they're absorbing what you want them to absorb um, and that they were really paying attention. And it's good to do that throughout the lesson as well to keep, you know, sort of poking and prodding a little bit to make sure that you're on the right track. There's nothing worse than 30 minutes Absolutely. or an hour later and, you know, find out that mm -hmm. they've spent all of that time uh, on something entirely different or thinking something entirely different. And then, Jamie, as we get ready to, to wrap up, I'm going to save the, the, the fun one for you, <laughs> and that is uh, homework. <laughs> Don't they all just love homework? Uh, you know, we've had a good golf lesson with our students, and uh, uh, they've met all of our expectations, but um, we've got to give them some practice assignments. We've got to, they've got to take some stuff home with them. And more importantly, uh, we want them out there practicing as soon as possible so it's, well, it's still fresh in their mind. Give us some thoughts here. Oh, great, great topic. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, Ted, that as a martial artist, um, I'm into not just giving lessons, like a lesson here, sort of a one-off kind of feeling about it, or like you just come and while you're with me for this half hour, hour, you're doing something, but then nothing in between. As a martial artist, I'm into the training model and uh, as opposed to take a lesson here and there. So training means that we need to be doing something every day or at least every other day. It's an ongoing process that you yourself are involved in. And that time, the lesson time with the teacher or the sensei in, in martial arts is, is a relatively small amount, <clears throat> excuse me, relatively small amount of time that you are investing in your own improvement. So I think it has to be clear that this is about your own improvement and you have to be engaged. You have to do uh, some things, right? So that's the homework. That's the practice element. So now we get into homework. First of all, I think that in the lesson itself, as Lou, as, um, Lou was saying, the summary at the end is very important so that we're both clear, student and teacher are both clear, well, what is it we're working on and how are we doing that and why? So... And then uh, from that place, we give homework, a, you know, a drill or an exercise <clears throat> um, that, that people are going to, the student is going to be practicing. And that could be on the putting green. It could be chipping. It could be full swing. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, uh, it could be learning how to do a bunker shot. It could be playing a, a low iron shot off the back of your, for the back of your stance to hit it low under a tree. An overhanging tree. It, 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 whatever it is, we want ways to practice it and drills to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so whatever the drill or a few things that it is you want to give as homework, want to be very clear how to do it and why you're doing it and what you're looking for in doing it. And then you want to give people ways to be in tune with what's going on internally as they're practicing that particular swing or that particular skill. So what are they feeling? What are they experiencing internally? Um, can they feel their balance, for example? Uh, can they feel tempo? Can they feel, uh, are they aware of their breath? Uh, lots of different things. And then, of course, externally. Well, what kind of feedback where, uh, is the person getting in terms of the quality of their, of their thought? 
to me? And are they listening to it? Are they feeling it? Are they watching it? That's a visual auditory kinesthetic. So it's it's really looking at the, the feedback and the results kind of shot by shot. Um, but these are, I think, understanding as well that how learning happens, and this helped me a lot when I got to sit in on a session with some neuroscientists, actually, from Harvard. And they were showing what goes on in the brain when we're learning something, when we're doing our homework, right? So let's just take something mm-hmm. as simple as learning to write the alphabet. You go A, 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 B, 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 right? And every doing, every action is actually allowing the brain to grow these little dendrites, these little things start growing and popping out, like when a, I don't know, sprout, sprouts, yeah? And as those dendrites mm-hmm. grow, they only grow because we actually do something. So the brain is growing these little cells that, that are starting to uh, communicate uh, with each other and then with the muscles, uh, with our neuromuscular system. And when those dendrites get big enough and then they find each other and then they click and they, they connect, ah, we are actually creating neuromuscular pathways. Then kind of out here we go, oh, it's getting easier. And it's that A, B, and writing, it's getting easier, it's getting quicker. Oh, that's good. And pretty soon I have to think about it. Or it could be driving a stick shift, yeah? Like, oh, God, it's so hard to do this and that and the other thing. But the more you do it, you can't, you can't get good at a stick shift, right, uh, without right. practicing, without doing homework. And in the course of doing homework, what we, what's happening is our brain, our neural uh, brain cells are growing dendrites and then they're communicating through our, our nervous system, through our muscles. Then we're able to perform the action. And it gets easier and smoother. That's what we call muscle memory. So that's kind of a, I'm very much of a lay person. I'm like a physics or poet scientist. But I like to know enough that helps me, gives me just enough science that I can have a good idea of what's going on and why I'm doing something. That helps. So if we can really get people bought into homework, and then the other part is super important, and that is make it fun. Nobody wants yeah, to do homework like it's taking medicine. <laughs> if it's fun, you know, if it's fun, if it's interesting, if they can feel that something's happening, something's changing, you give them parameters and ways to kind of check in with themselves and to measure it and to notice, then I think uh, people are happy to do their homework and they're, they're even looking forward to it. What am I going to do this week? What should I work on now? And they really are, are just you know, completely engaged in that process having fun with it, having a good time with it, and they're getting the, the rewards, which is the result in, in the shot. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, and that's so important, Jamie, is, you know, making it fun and interesting. Um, you know, this is, I think, really what defines um, making a, a player better is being able to not just articulate what the message is that you're trying to give them, but also do it in such a way that it's engaging um, it's it's getting them excited about what they're doing. I mean, nobody likes homework. I mean, I don't care who you are. Um, nobody gets real excited about homework. But if you do it in an engaging <laughs> and an interesting way, people will say, hey, you know what, yeah, I can do that, or that doesn't take a lot of time, and, and yeah, I can make it kind of fun and interesting. And, and there's a lot of different things that you can do, especially with the short game. I mean, obviously that's much easier than, than with the long game. But uh, being able to do that. And I think it's also important to, one last point I'm going to make, and then I'm going to, get ready to wrap things up and give you guys a, an opportunity to um, uh, let the folks know how they can reach out to you if they choose. Um, and, and that is when they get ready for the next step, when they get ready for the next lesson, is 
is a quick recap of what we talked about the last time and finding out and making sure that they've been working on those those uh, you know areas that we had them focusing on the last time, not just during the lesson but in the practice sessions following. We want to make sure that they've been engaging and doing things and working on that because that can be for naught too. Nothing worse than them showing up and saying, well, uh, you know, we went to the Hamptons for two weeks and laid on the beach and didn't do anything and haven't touched a golf club. Uh, and here they are for lesson number two. So you want to make sure um, that they're doing what they need to be doing. And I think if you make it fun and interesting, they're more apt to be uh, engaged. But um, ladies, great job with tonight's discussion. I, I enjoyed it. I think hopefully uh, the listeners uh, took a few, away a few nuggets on, on what to expect from not only the teaching side of things, but also what they can do to participate as well. And uh, on that note, uh, I'm going to give both of you a quick opportunity just to let the folks know if they want to reach out. So, Sue, go ahead, and then Jamie. Yeah, uh, I'm at um, Sue Eager Golf. It's um, S-U-E-W-I-E-G-E-R golf.com. And my number one best-selling book is on Amazon. It's called Golf the Last Six Inches, How to Change Your Brain, Change Your Game. And, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure, and thank you so much, Ted. I really greatly appreciate you uh, having us on and um yeah until next time always a pleasure sue thank you and jamie what about you people can reach me at my through my website which is kiigolf.com k-i-a-i golf.com uh, you can also get to the same website through a different url which is the t-h-e the centered way uh, center ed the centered way.com so that's uh, the first thing, and just it'll ask you right away if you want to be on my email list, and um, you can also reach me by just calling. Although it's a little difficult right now since I'm out of the country, <laughs> but um, uh, if you just put a plus one and you have WhatsApp plus one seven six zero four nine two four six five three, which is all. Um, I actually really do like to talk with people. Uh, send me an email at uh, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at kigolf.com, and I will respond. We can also set up time um, from here. I, I Zoom with people. I do remote lessons, and, and um, I'm also putting together for this fall another golf mastery school. It will be a virtual golf mastery school for maybe five sessions, two-hour sessions online, and uh, they've been terrific. I started them during the pandemic, and... Uh, it, it's just a tremendous way to kind of get more deeply into the, I would say, holistic approach, body-mind approach that I, I have to golf instruction. Works really well over Zoom, incredibly enough. So um, that's a great addition to people's um, golf lessons. And, of course, I send them back to their pros, their local pros. Um, but the Golf Mastery School is going to be coming up soon. Perfect. Well, Jamie and Sue, thank you again for joining me on the Coach's Corner panel segment of Golf Talk Live. It's always a pleasure to have the two of you on. And uh, again, hopefully the uh, listeners had an opportunity to, to pull some valuable information away from, from both of your uh, discussions. And uh, again, appreciate always and I look forward to the next time. Thanks, Ted. Thank you so much, Ted. And yeah, Sue. All right. That was uh, Sue Weger and Jamie Leno-Zimron. Joining me on the Coach's Corner panel segment. Uh, when we come back, my very special guest, Randy Wyant, founder and CEO of SkinView, will join me here on Golf Talk Live. Be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. 
It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back, and I'm excited to be joined this evening by my very special guest, uh, Mr. Randy Wyant. He is, as I said, the founder and CEO of SkinView. Uh, he's an experienced healthcare senior executive with over 30 years plus experience. Uh, in the last several years, uh, Randy has uh, turned his attention and focus uh, to the preventative and early detection of skin cancer as an executive with an organization that provided skin, uh, skin cancer screening services. Acquiring knowledge in this important area of healthcare has led uh, Randy to his new role in founding a nonprofit organization, hence SkinView. So please welcome my very special guest, Randy Wyant. Good evening, Randy, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Good evening, Ted. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's my pleasure, and thank you uh, for joining me. Uh, now, before we, we get into our discussion, I know you uh, have been listening for a while uh, to the broadcast um, as yeah. the young ladies that were giving some instruction. Uh, hopefully you learned something from, from the instruction as well I that maybe did, help you your know? game. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. They, 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 they talked about several things that I continue to work on, but, um, you know, that's, that's the game of golf. There's always ways that's to That's so true. That's so true. It's, a, it's an ever-evolving uh, game. It changes so much, and uh, you yeah. never really, uh, no matter how hard we try, we never really master uh, this game, which just makes it kind of fun, I think, in a way. I mean, I think if you mastered it, it would get kind of boring after a while um, if it yeah. was too easy. So I think it's, it's kind of good to have a little bit um, uh, of a challenge uh, as we go, and, and trust me, golf can be very challenging. So um, <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Well, great segue into, you know, as we talked about, you know, golf is a tough game and there's always something more to learn. And that's kind of why I get into this. And, you know, I've been in healthcare for a very long time, as you, as you spoke about, appreciate that, that, but um, skin cancer is probably the most misunderstood under, you know, underutilized from a, from an educational standpoint. So, you know, I'm going to let you lead the conversation. I could go on and on about statistics and, and, and things like that, but, you know, SkinView is here to educate people, the masses. 70% of the people in the United States do not go see a dermatologist for preventative care, yet skin cancer right. is the fastest-growing cancer of any other cancer. Um, yeah, it's, with it's, that it's, being said, it's, amazing. it's also the most curable. Yeah, it is. Right. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of that. I'm going to get you to, to give us uh, some sure. of the, the meat and potatoes, if you will, here in just a moment. But um, walk us through, really, because this is important, especially for golfers. I mean, anytime you're outdoors, you always have to be cautious, but particularly for golfers. I mean, we're out, you know, four or five, in some cases, it might even be six hours um, during a round, depending on, on where we're playing. So we're exposed to the elements, uh, the sun's beaten down, uh, you know, on a, on a beautiful, uh, clear day. And even when it's a little bit overcast, the sun still can affect us in that way. So talk about a little bit some of the statistics that uh, we're dealing with so that people just 
make it real, Randy, in other words, make it real so people understand just what we're dealing with. And then we'll talk a little bit specifically more about SkinView and, and what you're doing. Sure. Great, great point, because it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Um, you can get skin cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, people that are fair skinned certainly have, are more susceptible to it. But everyone, one in five Americans will get melanoma by, before the age of 70. You know, right. we, we hear statistics all the time. You know, it's, you know, we chose golf because it's played in the sun, but it poses profound risk to players, not only players, but the caddies and fans and everyone in the game of golf. So we're really trying to, trying to focus on that. We're also focusing on youth. I know you're going to have Dan Anderson on, a good friend of mine. Right. You know, if, if we can teach kids the healthy habits of sun protection and skin, skin wellness, they won't do the same things that we did when, at least I did when I was young, living here in right. California most of my life, you know, right? Um, mm-hmm. Wearing hats, you know, wearing hat is great, but it does, if it doesn't have SPF built into it, it may not be doing everything. And that's why we have to take a proactive approach to, to knowing what to look for. You know, what is a basal cell carcinoma? What is a squamous cell? What is a melanoma? What are the differences between the three of those? And how do we recognize them? You know, and just because it's a cloudy day, the number three city in the country for melanoma incidents is Portland, Oregon. You know why? Because people don't wear sunscreen, you know, and the proper sunscreen. The, you know, a lot of golfers don't like to put sunscreen on, you know, greasy palms. There are, there are, products out there. In fact, we're partnered with a great sunscreen that's a very fine spray on non-oily mist. You know, you can spray it. It, it, it works great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so there's a there's just a lot of misunderstanding. You know, what do you, is 30 SPF okay? Do I need to get 70? 30 is the minimum you should get. 70 is only going to increase your uh, protection by a few percentage points. So, you know, if we can get people to do that in golfers at the turn, reapply it. You know, I've, my, my buddy says, don't be shy to reapply. You know, get it on there, especially those areas that are covered. And use the right clothing. Use SPF. There's a lot of products out, apparel companies out there that are building SPF into their clothing now, and that's important. Yeah, and that that's made it really um, a, a no-brainer in today's economy because, you know, like you, I mean, I'm in my, my later 50s, so i am been around the block for a little while. And, you know, growing up in that, that was not um, really in the forefront. There wasn't really a lot of information out there. I mean, certainly people talked about it a little bit, um, but it was not really something in the forefront. Uh, but as technology and, and information comes out um, through a variety of different areas, we're starting to recognize, um, you know, as you mentioned, one in five uh, before the age of 70 will develop uh, some form of skin cancer. Uh, two people die every hour from melanoma. So those are pretty, you know, the, the, the numbers don't yeah. sound like a lot when you first hear them, but when you really put them in perspective, we're, you know, in a population of 330 plus million, you start, you know, averaging those out. That's a lot of people. Um, and yeah, the, yeah, the other, the other thing that creates an urgency is we've had, we've, you know, we're, we're still going through it, but we're coming out of COVID-19. People didn't go see a doctor. You know, people spend right. a lot more time outside. And so, you know, it is the most preventable answer with the right lifestyle choices. You know, it's, it's, it's nearly 99% curable if it is found early. And, you mm-hmm. know, there's just things to recognize. You know, when, 
when you go see a dermatologist or even, you know, if you're doing self-checks, it's more than just checking the areas that are covered by, you know, or, or that are exposed to the sun, the bottom of your feet, the nail beds. A lot of people don't know this, but if you just search it on the Internet, look at the number of celebrities. Bob Marley died of melanoma. Yep. Not many people know that. He was misdiagnosed right. for many years because it was on his big toe and it didn't look like anything. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's really good. There's a, there's a technology out there. There's not a brand new technology. It's not used, it's not used as much as it should be here in the United States called Dermoscopy. It's high resolution imaging. We're working with a company actually. Um, my partner just, just started a, we just started another LLC. We're, we're working with the company to develop a consumer app that will allow people to not only become educated, but image their own skin. So that's going to, that's going to be coming out next, next year. And uh, uh, part of our company, the company with is going to be handling that part. You know, we want to get tools in the hands of people to make it easier for them to improve their skin wellness. Yeah. And I think that's a, a great uh, approach because I think the easier, just like, you know, the ladies and I were talking earlier, the easier we can make it for people to learn uh, this great game, the more apt they're going to adapt to some of the, the, the lessons. And the same thing in, in your industry is the easier and more informed that we can make the consumers. So at some point, you decided, okay, I'm going to put this together. I'm going to put SkinView together, which is a 501c3 nonprofit, um, to promote skin cancer awareness and help reach out particularly to, to golfers initially. And I know you're, you're doing other things now as well, but uh, sure. initially it was to really help uh, golfers in that. So why did you create SkinView, and why specifically did you decide to focus on golf? Well, um, I had a unique opportunity. Being involved in skin cancer for even before I started the nonprofit in with the technology, providing the technology of, of dermoscopy. That's why I talked about that, but, you know, mm-hmm. when I when I met Charlie Meacham, former commissioner of the LPGA, and I tried to get yep. Charlie on here with me, but uh, he was doing other things. <laughs> but um, Ch- Charlie has his own melanoma story. In fact, most people that I talk to either know somebody or had an experience, and yeah. a lot of golfers have. Charlie thought mm-hmm. that using using the microphone, the platform of golf, we could reach a lot more people. Um, so that's why, and Charlie encouraged me to start a nonprofit. Um, so we did that, and, you know, we've got on our advisory board, we've got Nancy Lopez, Dottie Pepper, Julie Ingstra, mm-hmm. Helen Alfredson, Andy North. Those are just some of the golfers. We've got some other healthcare experts as well. You know, so we're building mm-hmm. a team to get it out there. We're, we're going to golf events. We're going to the World Am amateur event in Myrtle Beach here week after this next um, and, and getting the word out to, to the many, many golfers that go to that event. I've been on numerous radio shows. So, you know, I appreciate this opportunity because the, the fast – My pleasure. Using the vehicle of a, of a nonprofit, I think, it gives us gives us a louder voice. It, it, I'm, I'm involved with yes. other nonprofit organizations that are involved in raising awareness on melanoma. But we're taking, I think we're taking a very broad uh, stroke, you know, if you will. We're, we're, we're very focused on golf. That doesn't mean we're not going outside of golf. Everybody needs to pay attention to their skin wellness and sun protection and doing the right things. We've developed curriculum that Payne Stewart's going to build into their golf clinics, 
teach kids mm-hmm. simple ways that they can do to protect their skin. Um, you know, so that's really what we're focused on. Well, and you know, when you look back, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when when I look back when I was a kid, again, there wasn't as much information out there as there is today. Um, you know, we didn't take the same precautions that are available. Um, I wish we had of, um, but, you know, we just didn't. That's just the way it was at that time. Um, so now we have an opportunity to say, okay, you know what, yeah, maybe I didn't use the best judgment back then, um, but there are things I can do moving forward. And by doing what you're doing and making it uh, increasing the awareness uh, is, is one way to do it. Also, too, what I found very interesting when I was reading through some of the notes uh, preparing for tonight is you're actually a little bit later on this year um, going to be launching uh, the SkinView Skin app, um, right. which will, right. Right. which right. you guys uh, said is going to be a game changer and really helping uh, people looking yep. for early detection. So uh, give, us, yep. uh, give us a little bit of the skinny, if you will, on this app, and is this something that will be available to everybody? It will be available to Anybody and everybody. Um, there's two parts of the app. One part of the app is the education. We need to get education out there. What are the, you know, most people don't know what the ABCDEs of skin cancer are. Just knowing those basics. A is for asymmetry, B is for border, C is for color, D is for diameter, E is for the evolution. That evolution. If there's any change, if you have a spot, even if it's not a mole, it's a scaly little spot. It's a, it looks like a white pimple. If it starts to change, that's when you need to pay attention to it and get to the right doctor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's things that we can do, like I said, products and clothing and things like that, getting that education. And that's going to be in the app, allowing people to enter risk factor. There's a, there's a risk calculator that you fill out a, fill out a survey and, and gives you your, your skin type and your, and your risk for skin cancer. You know, family history means something about you know, a, a lot about that, as in most diseases. But um, and then the other part of the app is actually going to allow people to image their skin and get a virtual consult with a qualified dermatologist. So if you have a spot, and it's hard to get in to see, see a dermatologist. One of the disparities in the health, in our healthcare system compared to cardiovascular. There's over 45,000 plus or minus cardiologists. There's 10,000 plus or minus dermatologists. There's a big deficit. There's many parts of this country that there's not a dermatologist in 300-mile radius. You know, here in Southern California, easy to get in. Well, I I wouldn't even say it's easy. Sometimes there's a four- to six-lead time, even in areas where there's a, a lot of dermatologists. So, you know, those are the things. But the more you can... Be involved in managing your own skin wellness, just like in any part of health, Ted. I mean, you know, if, if, mm-hmm. if we pay attention to the warning signs, but you need to know those warning signs. You need to know what to look for and, and, and do it often and get the right care. Yeah, and, and the fact that people can use technology now uh, to get answers quicker, uh, to be able to get informed uh, you know, make informed decisions um, really at the click of a, a button or, or an app, what yeah. have you. Um, there's no excuse anymore. You know, one of the one of the yeah. biggest criticisms, and I, and I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyways. 
Who's the worst sure. culprit, the, the men or the women, when it comes to looking yeah. after this sort of thing? <laughs> Go ahead and lay it on you, us. You, you, you knew the answer. It's us. It's us men. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've heard so many stories from guys saying, yeah, my wife's been bugging me about this for years, and I finally went, and sure enough, it was skin cancer. Yeah. It was melanoma. Right. It was, you know, squamous right. cell. Um, yeah, so men are men are much worse. The other thing I really want to emphasize, yes, light-haired, light-complected, you know, the, the, the lighter pigmented skin is more susceptible to it. But I've talked to right. many African-Americans, black people, to say, you know, yep. they get it too. And their mortality yes. rate is actually higher because it's not as visible as somebody who's like complected. So, you know, everybody, right. every skin type, every ethnicity needs to pay attention to this education. Yeah, and that's one thing you can rest assured that uh, skin cancer does not discriminate. It doesn't matter who, uh, no. what color or, or what have you. It, it's something that we all have to be, no. um, you know, adhere to in that. And, and the reason why I asked you, you know, about that, I, I, as again, I knew the answer jokingly, but uh, is the fact that, you know, apps like this and, and other um, technology out there sometimes will help alleviate the stigma. I mean, a lot of guys hate going to the doctors to begin with. I'm, I know sometimes I can be uh, bad about that, but I've, I've learned as I've gotten older that, you know what, yeah. suck it up, buttercup, and, and go and get it done. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, sometimes if, if we can get access to that information, um, like you said, when it's important early on, detection, um, and mm-hmm. if we can avoid sometimes having to necessarily go into the doctor's office right away, um, that's going to keep them more apt to to at least investigate earlier on. And then, you know, obviously they may have to go at some point. But uh, I think if, if things like this app and that can help uh, educate people a little well, bit that, more up front, yeah. it, it, it alleviates yeah. a little bit of the anxiety is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and we're even going the extra mile. We're partnering with dermatologists that, that specialize in this area. We're working with a company right now. We're partnering with them that they will, you know, we're, do, we're going to start doing these events more and more where they can get a total body photography. This is, this is a medical-type study where they, they take pictures of your entire body, of every single suspicious spot, and the importance is with this application that's built by this award-winning company called Meta Optima based out of Vancouver, British Columbia. They, in, in Australia, which is the number one country for melan- incidence of melanoma, they have actually wow. decreased their mortality rate by using this platform of dermatoscopic imaging because it, every part, you know, there's different poses that people do. So we're going to be providing these at no cost. You know, we're going to get, there's lots of people involved saying, yes, we need that. Um, they'll come in just like every other, you know, for men, we get our PSA. For women, they get, they get their breast screening, you know, because it's important mm-hmm. to get that baseline to, to know if there is change. I mean, if you're comparing it to something, you need to start from square one. Then the subsequential or what they call SDDI you know, the sequential imaging after, then you'll know that it's a change. Looking at it with your eye, it's hard to see the subtle changes. But when you take a picture of it and that's magnified in high-resolution imaging, then you have a baseline for what that spot looked like and how it Mm -hmm. has changed. So, you know, we're working with this company to do screening events where people can get these 
very comprehensive body skin scans. I couldn't agree more. And, and again, early detection is, is, is really paramount in, in something like this. Um, it's, it's never... Yeah, it's never too late to to you know get anything looked at, but obviously the the earlier the better. Um, Randy, I, I'm gonna I see that Dan looks like uh, he's on board, so I'm gonna bring him out here and, and get him to join the conversation, yeah. talk a little bit. Um, joining us, of course, is Dan Anderson, the COO, CMO, and development coach at uh, Payne Stewart Kids Golf Foundation. Uh, please uh, welcome Dan to the conversation. Good evening, Dan. Hey. How are you? And welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm doing excellent. How are you guys doing? We're Absolutely. doing very well. I know, you, I know you've been listening in, so uh, welcome to the conversation. And uh, and welcome to back. Hear actually, what Randy has to, <laughs> yeah, good to hear what Randy has to say. So Randy's a, a good friend, and we've done some great things together. So excited to hear him tell his story. So I want to I want to go to you. Yeah, th- th- again, thank you for for uh, for joining us tonight. Um, Randy had mentioned earlier on um, about the sort of partnership with the Payne Stewart Kids uh, Foundation uh, and the importance of really what we're talking about here tonight. So maybe you could just kind of bring us up to speed what you guys are doing at the foundation uh, to sort of play a part and and role in in helping uh, make the youngsters aware of how important of an issue this is. Maybe you can give us an idea, Dan. Yeah, so, you know, as we've talked before, you know, we're all about uh, letting kids have fun and learning the game, but also, you know, teaching them life skills and, you know, important elements of what it takes to manage yourself. I mean, one of the virtues we teach is is self-control, and, you know, one aspect of that is being aware of the environment, being aware of, you know, things that can happen to you and, um, you know, not only the kids, but uh, also – the parents, when they go home, you know, we, we're uh, giving samples away of various uh, uh, sunscreen, you know, as Randy was talking about, the non-oily BU. Uh, so, you know, that's an important element. But educating kids and the parents of being, you know, uh, in good health and that, that self-control element. So, you know, it just really adds to our overall value as we teach kids of, you know, not only about golf, but there are other things that happen to you when you play golf. Uh, and, you know, skin cancer and awareness, I think, is, is a key element to that. So we're thrilled to partner with Randy and everything that uh, they're doing and excited for the new app that's coming out to be able to, you know, have our parents uh, that send their kids through it, you know, be educated through that process as well. So it, it's a great partnership. Yeah, I think it's. I think you know, as we've been talking about, the the younger and the earlier we can get um, these youngsters involved and educated um, about some of the the risks, uh, you know, that can potentially happen. And it's something you know, Randy, as you touched about earlier, is by the time you know we hit our seventies, um, you know, uh, one in five will have developed some form of of skin cancer. So it's a pretty high number. That's uh, you know that's a, that's a big percentage. So making these youngsters aware of what potentially can happen and how they can do, what they can do now while they're still young while they're still developing and growing uh, to help prevent that is is paramount. Correct? Absolutely. You know one other one other fact I want to mention that's little known is most of the damage that's done that leads to 
early onset of melanoma happens before the age of 18. A lot of the damage happens before that. So the sooner we can get to, you know, everyone about the importance of sun protection, the better. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that happen because of what we do that don't show up until later on in life. You know, so that, that, that's actually one of the statistics that I, that I forgot to mention in our previous conversation. You know, before mm-hmm. the age of 18, a lot of damage happens. Yeah, and, and well, as I said earlier, you know, when we were uh, growing up, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of this information as, as handily, you know, available as we do now. Um, so, and, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but, you know, that was that's just cold hard facts is we didn't know as much then as we do now. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, a lot of us probably did a lot of very foolish things earlier on uh, when we were kids, but now the kids seem to be a little bit more in tune um, and, and receptive to that. So, Dan, you know, this is obviously a fairly new uh, uh, relationship, you know, in compared to others. Um, so moving forward, what specifically are you guys going to do? Uh, I'm mean, obviously going to be part of the education program and, and teaching these youngsters uh, about life and that, but um, what are some of the things that you guys have got planned? Well, that's, you know, it gets down to this app that comes out that uh, is really mm-hmm. going to be able to help us excel on the, the giveaway, the take-home. So, you know, our, our focus during, you know, the camps and clinics that we do is – you know, really on our the golf learning and the virtues that we're doing. And there are side discussions, you know, that are talking to kids about, uh, you know, skin cancer and skin care. You know, it's also one of those things that you don't want to frighten them. Um, right. But you also want to get pass along information to parents to make them aware. But, you know, so everything we do, we want to make it fun. And so, you know, through apps and, you know, the, the technology that kids are doing these days, you know, it's almost right. a default that you have to be in the technology side of things. So, you know, really excited that, uh, you know, that thing with Randy and the uh, SkinView uh, app that is doing that. And, and then we're also, you know, passing along, um, you know, education pieces and uh, coupons on the BU skin products uh, for, you know, parents to purchase. So, yeah, some of the other things we're doing, in fact, Dan and I are, are, are Skinview and, and the Painter Kids Golf Foundation were partnered up with a big event in, in Dallas at the or just mm-hmm. outside of Dallas at the Dallas Cowboy Golf Club. We're going to be doing a, a golf tournament. It's our second annual, actually. We developed a campaign on the Skinview side called Skin in the Game. And it's just a, it, it, everything that we've talked about, that's what the Skin in the Game campaign is about. It's, it, it's about bringing it to the forefront, making the, the, the facts and the statistics more available so that people know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And um, this is just one of the platforms of, of, you know, growing the game of golf, but also growing the knowledge for your own wellness. And that's taking place, uh, I believe, September 21st, correct, in Dallas at the uh, Cowboys Golf Club? Absolutely. 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 Uh, Now, now Randy, can people donate uh, – and I understand, I think there's also going to be a live auction. Is that going to be available to everyone? And how can we get more information on that? Well, actually, um, in, in addition, so there's a, there's a few things. So, yes, go to, go to our um, webpage, skinview.org. It's S-K-N-V-U-E.org. Um, we've, we've got the, the golf tournament on there. Um, people are donating. We've still got some sponsorship spots available. The, 
the good news is that you know as, as far as the players, we've got a pretty full full uh, slate there, so that's good news. But there's going to be an online auction that Dan help me out here. When is that going to go yeah, live? Yeah, no, yeah, you know, yeah. We've we've got uh, close to 300 uh, golf foursomes all over the country. Actually, uh, international packages. Um, you know, we have some. Uh, uh, Yacht trips, uh, food tasting, um, couples getaway weekends, some really, you know, quite a range of items that are uh, going to, yeah. you know, start uh, the Friday before the 21st. So the auction will end on the 21st at 9 o'clock when the, the golf tournament is over. So it will be running that weekend. And so um, it hasn't been put up yet. Uh, we're adding, you know, final items and everything to it. We've got some, you know, great packages that, uh, you know, last year we sold a package to uh, uh, the Payne Stewart uh, Golf Club that down there in Branson, Missouri. So um, Big Cedar Lodge has 77 unique holes, and we're finalizing an, another package with them uh, to, we even have to a... play all 77 holes. Yeah, I, I, we just put together a trip for you and 19 of your closest friends to go on the Goodyear Blimp, um, and they've got oh, wow. they've got three different venues. So that's that that's hard to get. <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's I, a good everybody one. in yeah. golf knows the good knows the Goodyear Blimp because the yeah. Goodyear Blimp's always uh, looking down at, at many of the big big golf events around the country. So um, that's a pretty unique experience there. Yeah, yeah, so for sure. the live link um, for the auction will go on to our uh, website probably sometime next week, and it will also be linked on uh, SkinView website. So those will yeah. all go to the tournament, uh, but also the auction. So, um, you know, we raised quite a bit of money at, at the auction last year, and so, you know, it's, um, you know, a, a great deal and, you know, been generously donated and have almost 300 items. So it's a it, there's going to be something for everybody on there. I'll definitely Very give good. you that information, Ted, um, when, when it comes okay. out. Okay, that would be perfect. Yeah, I'll be more than happy to uh, to pr promote that and plug it uh, and get as much uh, exposure to it as we can. Um, Randy, what are some of the other fundraisers that you have planned to support uh, the foundation? What are some of the other things that you guys are doing besides this uh, particular event you mentioned? Some of the other events that we're doing, we're doing here in Southern California, we're doing some poker events, some poker tournament events. A lot of people out, you know, um, Texas Hold'em and other other games, we're doing some of those events. Some of the other fundraisers we're doing, we're joining. We're joining with other nonprofit organizations that are concerned about this cause. So we're, you know, we're doing, we're doing that. I just talked to a gentleman today. We're going to be bringing into some of our, our events the um, some of the golf simulator type technology to you know to just not only grow the game of golf but to people there you know it's important that we that we get people attending those events so those are some of the things that we're doing we're also going to be doing auctions throughout the year in different ways through different mostly golf related uh, trips but um, those are some of the other fundraising mm -hmm. projects that we're working on. Um, and I see too uh, when I was on earlier on the uh, website, um, you guys have something coming, or what, uh, Randy, your group has something coming up uh, to do with the Myrtle Beach World Amateur Handicap Championship yes. that's coming up the end of yes. this month uh, to September second. Tell us a little bit about that. 
That started um, August 29th through September 2nd. So 3,500 amateur golfers from all over the world, I guess. Um, this is my mm-hmm. first time at that event. I've been at the PGA show, but this is just 50 different courses around the Myrtle Beach area. Every night they have something called the 19th call where they have vendors, and there will be, you know, product vendors. SkinView will mm-hmm. be there handing out sunscreen, handing out other other giveaways, and uh, we're going to have a raffle there to raise to raise some funding as well, but just really putting out the education. We're going to have lots of educational material. We're going to be talking about the app. Um, and my partner who's running that part is going to be there, Bruce Braveroff. And uh, so we will we will be there three nights in a row. Um, that's what they do. They play golf all day, and then they come, and there's music and, and um, food and beverage and all that. So the 19 tolls what happens every, every night after the, the, the day of play. So um, we will be there in full regalia and, uh, and have, some, have some people there joining us to, to some of our brand supporters that will be there to join us. And you mentioned um, in addition to um, working with a number of other uh, uh, associations um, mm-hmm. and uh, foundations and so forth, um, we talked about very early on, you know, sort of initially branching out through golf, but you're actually – uh, eventually want to spread out to some other sports as well. Maybe give us an idea of that. Yeah, so so we're involved with, um, right here in San Diego anyway, so we're involved with uh, some of the major league soccer organizations, the outdoor soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting into that. Um, the the uh, San Diego Loyals have been talking with them. Um, the There's a new uh, professional lacrosse league out there, San Diego Seals, we're working with them. They're helping us out, promoting and giving away some ticket packages. Um, we've talked to we've talked our partner in the sunscreen. He's very involved in the running world and track and field. So, you know, anybody that's doing any sport outside or any activity outside mm-hmm. needs to know about this. So we're, we're reaching out to a lot of other sports because it's important. Yeah, and, and just to mention some, I mean, obviously tennis, uh, now uh, the ever-popular pickleball is uh, another big one, yep. soccer, surfing, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. so anything Actually, really. Out, yeah. yeah, so go ahead. Sorry. I am talking. I am. I, I have met with some of the top people in pickleball over in Arizona. My mom mm-hmm. happens to live over there, so I get her, and I was actually born in Phoenix, get over there, know Phoenix very, very well, and got, got a, lot of, a lot of good people there, but um, we're getting involved in pickleball because there's, there's a lot of that. It's 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 on fire. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah. really growing quickly. Yeah, I know. I've been bitten by the bug a few times. So. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm in that camp it's now. a fun not, game. Not just it golf, really but has. yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. And and it, yeah, it's uh, you know here in Florida, it's the same thing. Uh, it's it's spread like like wildfire. Uh, you know, so obviously it's again it's another outdoor activity. Uh, people have to be mindful of and, and that. So, uh, and obviously a lot of other uh, groups, uh, the girls, uh, scouts uh, of um, America, and uh, also yep. uh, some conversations I believe with the uh, AJGA uh, as well to yes. Uh, uh, yes. get their commitment as well in it. So it, it sounds to me, and, and Dan, you can concur obviously with the Payne Stewart uh, Foundation, is you can never start early enough to get this awareness out. Would that be accurate? That yeah, that's that's so true. I mean, everything uh, you know, good that starts with kids in sports, you know, starts at the age of four. And you know, so if you get them, 
you know, practicing that I got to put on my sunscreen before I go outside and do that. That that's really the best time to create great healthy habits. And so, you know, that that's uh, what we're trying to do in all aspects. For you know, from a golf and um, you know the virtue side of things, that uh, you know, it's it's good to get kids going early. So. Well, and it also it, it twofold. It not only encourages them to develop healthy practices, but um, you know, parents and grandparents. Obviously, you know, we all sort of live vicariously through the, the younger generation, and you know, when we see them, you know, passionate about um, their health care and their safety and things like that, it makes us sort of you know, sit back and say, hey, you know, maybe I need to be a little bit more diligent with with uh, you know, if I want to you know, be bouncing them off my knee sort of thing for, for years to come. I've got to be smart about it. So this is a great way of, of really coming through from a, from a, I don't want to say a grassroots, but from a, a younger demographic um, to some of the older generation to say, hey, this is important to us. We want it to be important to you as well. So I think it, it, it sort of marries a, a, a great partnership between the youth of, of today and uh and the older uh, generations as well. And I think that's uh, a, a good way to sort of get it at both ends. But um, this is going to help, I think, Absolutely. twofold in, in helping. And obviously when the app comes through. Um, Randy, as we get ready to close, just a couple things. You mentioned earlier um, a number of uh, people, uh, players, particularly Nancy Lopez, Dottie Pepper, and uh, Julie Inkster yeah. and things like that. What are some of the things that they're doing to help uh, uh, get the word out there? Are they uh, just good spokespersons, uh that that are doing uh, for the skin view or they, they actually are, the, more involved? go ahead yeah i mean yes yes and yes they are they definitely are spokespeople um nancy and Dottie both have an incredible skin skin mm-hmm. story um about their own experience with melanoma Dottie talks about it in their book nancy talks about mm-hmm. it all the time you know so they're they're out there promoting what we're doing and they have used our educational material in, in a lot mm-hmm. of the things that they do, Nancy, with some of her some of her golf trips that she does, I'm sure you know about that. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. You know, Dottie, with everything she's doing on the Golf Channel and and involved, she's getting the word out, and and you know, it's important to them. They use their microphone, their platform to you know to save lives, and you know, just like I've said on every single radio interview I've done over the last year is that, you know, just by doing this, by getting the word out, you know, we're, we're effectively saving lives because melanoma, if it's caught early, 99% curable. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the word. And who knows, by using the kids, maybe, maybe we can bend the curve of men not being as, uh, right. as adverse <laughs> to going to get their skin checked, right? Right, right. And and that brings me to the all-important thing. How often is this something annually we should be looking at, um, in your opinion? I mean, I know you're not a dermatologist, but um, is this something that we should incorporate into part of our annual uh, physical, if you will, or, or should this, you know, at how do least, we go about this? At least, it, it, no, it, 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 it's, it's something that we should be checking, you know, as often as, as we look at our skin, hitting our significant other, our wife, or, you know, whoever it is mm-hmm. to to look at your back, to look at the areas that you can't see for anything that looks suspicious, for anything that has changed, anything like that. So, you know, we can be proactive on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yes, you should get annual okay. skin checks and go to the right place that finds the proper care, dermoscopy, this type of skin imaging, things like that. 
You know, we need to we need to press this within our medical communities to do more and use the technology that's available for early detection. You know, so I would mm-hmm. stress that as well. But at least annual skin checks um, so that you can create that baseline so you know when there's change. And just to highlight well, a point on skin health and everything, too, getting into a dermatologist is tough. Um, I had yeah. to go into a dermatologist to have an appointment. I had to wait four months. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things that if you're going to do it, there's so few dermatologists that are out there that um, get if you see something, get it booked early because you're going to have to wait a little yeah. while for you to get in and yeah. see it. So, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, Randy had mentioned that earlier about the uh, low number of, of dermatologists compared to other uh, medical professionals. So, um, Randy, give us an idea of when the app is going to be available and where is it going to be available? Is it going to be through uh, iTunes and also uh, the both iOS and, and Android devices? Yes, absolutely. It will be available okay. that work. We're, we're hoping to have it finished because we want to do this right and with the right technology right. built in. So we're, we're targeting early 2023 for its release. Okay. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, and once again, if they want to get information on the upcoming uh, tournament, uh, September 21, where can they go to get information there? And then also, uh, then you can maybe point out again quickly about um, – the uh, live auction as well. You mentioned a link will be coming up available for that as well. Um, Randy, go ahead with the tournament, and uh, and Dan, maybe you can yeah, close so up if, with if, the if, uh, if, with the other. If you go to the events page on skinview.org, that's S-K-N-V-U-E dot O-R-G, go to the events page. It's it's uh, it's highlighted there. You can click on that. We're using a company called Golf Status that built the website and does all the electronic scoring and everything. So they've been a big support and help to that. Um, and so if they go there, they can look at, um, you know, the sponsorships. They can donate. There's a donate button on that page as well, and they can find out everything about not only our organization but also the Payne Stewart. There's a link on there for them as well. Dan, you can tell them more about your what it's also on the Payne Stewart Kids Golf web page as well as the uh, you'll find information about the auctions. Yep, so it's, yeah, yeah, it's on our uh, PayneStewart.org, uh, and then there we have a support tab that's there and it lists all the things uh, how people can support us. And you know, one of those things that's on there is the uh, is the tournament uh, on the 21st of September in Grapevine, Texas. It's uh, Dallas Cowboy Golf Club, so just a, a great place. And then starting the 16th, um, people can start bidding on, you know, over 300 golf foursomes uh, and various items. And so that link will also be on that support page uh, at the painsteward.org uh, slash support uh, site. So great information and everything will be coming on that uh, first of next week. So thanks for getting the word out uh, both on the tournament and the auction, it uh, goes to help both Skinview and the Paints for Kids Golf Foundation. Perfect. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been very informative and uh, definitely something that we, we all need to adhere to. Um, again, early detection is, is uh, what's paramount, and I want to thank you both for coming on and sharing that. Dan, thank you especially uh, for joining in the conversation as well, and Randy, uh, a pleasure, and we'll do our best uh, to get the word out there and get more people aware uh, of this uh, 
of uh, skin view and, and obviously um, early detection. But uh, thank you very much, both of you, for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Ted. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Right. You, do, you do the same. All right. All right, that was uh, Randy Wyant, the founder and CEO of SkinView, uh, as well as Dan uh, Anderson uh, from the Payne Stewart uh, Kids Golf Foundation joining in the conversation as well. Uh, definitely something very, very important um, as we you know, get more information um, about melanoma, uh, particularly skin cancer, uh, one of the top uh, cancers really taking a lot of lives, one in five uh, Americans, before they uh, uh, hit 70, uh, will have developed some form of skin cancer, and two people every hour die uh, from skin cancer. So it's uh, definitely uh, something that uh, we need to adhere to. Uh, and uh, again, if you want to uh, participate or you want to get more information about the golf tournament, uh, you can do so by uh, going to skinview.org. That's S-K-N-V-U-E dot org. Uh, and just go to the events page, and you'll see there uh, uh, there's still some uh, uh, sponsorship uh, uh, possibilities. And then also, if you go to painstuart.org, uh, uh, you can also get uh, in the coming week uh, some information on the live auction. That'll be available as well. Uh, you can get information there at painstuart.org. Uh, um, but I want to thank again my special guests for joining me tonight and sharing that information. And also a special thank you to Sue Weger and Jamie Leno-Zimron for joining me earlier on the Coach's Corner panel. Um, let's do our part to eradicate uh, skin cancer. Uh, it's something that we can all do and go uh, and get checked up. Um, keep an eye out for their app. They'll be announcing that, I'm sure, on their website, on the SkinView website uh, in the uh, months to come when it's available. It sounds like it's going to be early 2023, but uh, keep an eye out anyways, and I will certainly uh, keep you informed as uh, more information comes available. Uh, on that note, thank you, everybody, for joining me uh, on Golf Talk Live. I'll be back next week for another great Coach's Corner and another insightful interview here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody, and have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.